Come on, Venue Church, are you glad to be in the house of God today? Easter is coming. Actually, before Easter, a great warm-up for Easter is uh, First Wednesday. Wednesday night at 7. Who's coming to First Wednesday? This is like a night of praise and worship and teaching. I have a special guest coming. You are not going to want to miss it. We say it like this. Look, you can spend it the entire next month messed up, or you can come to First Wednesday and let God work on it. Uh, it's up to you, but you should come because it's going to be a blast. Hey, um, Easter is coming, and if there's one day in Christendom that makes the greatest difference and if there's one friend that you know that you're like they are never going to come to church and if they come they are never going to become a follower of jesus they are hard against god they hate jesus they have problems they if there's one day if there's one day on resurrection morning come to venue church we have a whole street party planned afterwards but here's what i want to say here's what i want to say that that time that one day the morning of the resurrection is here's what i want to say about that this is like the super bowl of christianity don't miss the super bowl for the tailgate party you can eat turkey later don't make don't lock mom in the kitchen and make her make turkey dinner when she could be here eat it later don't miss it for the tailgate party. Don't miss the game. We have tickets to front and center to the greatest thing that has ever happened to the human race. And it might be the time that your neighbor actually comes. Even people who don't think they should go to church. You ever heard of Christers? They come on like Christmas and Easter. Well, this is it. This is your big chance. Here's what I want to say. I was talking with, um, with one of those that would have said that he was far from God. I think God sometimes just picks like certain people and just brags a little and be like, oh, you thought that they would never come. Well, uh, Nick, Nick Lees, on Friday night, on Friday night, he comes to Freedom Group, he comes to Freedom Group, and Nick Lees, on Friday night, he said, I spent nine weeks of Freedom Group saying, this is dumb, why am I even here? But he said, two weeks ago, something broke loose in his life, and he announced to Pastor Aaron, I'm getting baptized now, and his wife didn't even know. Rachel's sitting there like, because if there was one guy, Nick, I love you. You come out of that baptism tank and out of the waters of salvation and I'm going to give you a Liverpool jersey. Let's do it all the way. Let's cast off Manchester United. Cast it off. All right. Um, that was for free. Hey, today's sermon is about raising kids. Are you ready for it? Thank you, Lisa. Lisa has way too many kids too. Um, pray for Pastor Lisa. Uh, Pastor Lisa and Mark, they run an uh, organization called Haiti Arise. And they, and they, like I say, they got lots of kids, so they get it. Um, Here's a question I want to ask you. How much are you investing in the next generation? Because you, you might have kids right now, or you might have adult kids, or you might not have kids at all. But like, how much are you actively investing in the next generation? Because one day, that's going to be the only thing that you care about. And what kind of a world are we handing to what kind of people? And how are they ever going to reach their destiny if we don't invest? And somebody today is going to sign up to be a venue kids helper. Somebody today is going to get involved in venue youth and venue junior youth. I mean, here's the deal. Like, if you're only pouring into your kids, if you even have kids, how is that making the world a better place? You can't outscale the sin that's out there. And if you're only pouring one-to-one, -one, we're just like kind of keeping, but we're still going to get outrun out there. We need to be pouring. It's not my job just to pour my life into my kids. I got to pour my life into your kids and I got to pour my life into you. We got to like, we got to start scaling this thing because it matters to God. The next generation matters to God. Our kids ministry is the most important ministry that we have. 
Because the next generation, what God wants to do in this world here, it's gonna ha- they're going to be the ones doing it. They're going to be like, Mom and Dad, what you guys did was like, it was okay, but that's kind of kindergarten for what we're doing. And every time that I spend with them is like multiplied in the kingdom of God. And I just want to challenge you. You need to get involved in the life of children, not just your kids. You need to get involved in the life of children. And you're like, Pastor, I don't even know what to sh- tell them. Then tell them the stupid crap you did so they don't do that. That helps. All right. Um, here's what I want to say. Um, I felt like the Holy Spirit said this because I think that Pastor Aaron and I, our greatest regrets in life probably are our parenting mistakes. And when our marriage went, went hard off the rails, as our, if you know, like we, we come from really broken place in our lives and in our family, the thing that hurt us the most was watching it and what it did to our kids. And so I get that today's sermon topic is raising kids. And when your kids are young, you're, you're in this like, don't tell me how to parent. Don't tell me. When your kids are older, you're like, I wish somebody would have told me how to parent. And so like, I get it. It hurts us. But there is a promise from God. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. I better get this right here. Have hope. Sometimes children under the greatest pressure become the greatest adults. Don't you ever let regret stop you from going forward and making a difference. And from starting again and from doing whatever you have to do. I don't mean start with different kids, by the way. <laughs> I mean, let's like rise up and hope and do something, you know. I'd love to start again. No, don't do that. Um, listen, um, when you think about the great adults and the people making the biggest difference in the world, their childhoods were harder than yours. Most of them. People who grow up and have it easy. Listen, God can redeem anything. And God can use all the things that, that, that all of your mistakes and turn them into good in the world uh, later. So but it takes God to do that. What I want to show you is that when you parent your children, when we help raise children in the church family, when we help parents raise children in a godly fashion, it taps them into the supernatural power of God. Then what happens in the world around them, they walk into a room and affect it and it doesn't affect them anymore because the power and the grace of God is at work and, and it can overrun any of the uh, work that the enemy is trying to do in their lives. So, um, you know, Anybody have uh, anybody raising boys right now? Uh, little boys. Raising boys is a different thing, right? So, so when boys wake up in the morning, we were hanging out with uh, Tyler and Bree and, and and Elijah's their their boy. As soon as Elijah wakes up, it's like somebody presses play in a soundtrack, and then it's like there's dinosaur noises, and you just follow the soundtrack around the room, you know. And then I gotta climb this thing, and I gotta bang my fist, and I gotta do this, and I gotta. Boys can, if you want, like my girls can't. They can't make the sound of a car engine revving. Because that's not how they, you know what they learn to do is speak English. <laughs> like, talk stuff out. They can speak the English language better than I can, but I'm, rrm, rrm, dinosaurs. Ah, ah. You, you watch these boys, and when the soundtrack gets turned off, moms worry. My mom was, um, was the Corey soundtrack got turned off when I was really little for like literally a minute or two. And she was talking on the phone, and the Holy Spirit's like, where's the soundtrack's off? Like, do something. She walks into the next room and I was, I was, I had worked my way around from the, her brand new ch- dinette chair set. It was like the late seventies. So it had those like the kind of probably the green vinyl, you know what I'm talking about? Like the awesome ones now that you buy cause you think it's funny. Yeah. And so I, had, I was on the last dinette ch- set and I had a, a, a sharp steak knife and I had let the air out like seven or eight times. And I knew if I was too loud uh, that she was going to catch me and I wanted to finish. Like I got to finish. And so, and so, um, so she comes in there and she's just like, you know what she said to me after? And my parents are great parents. You know what she said to me after? I don't even know if I really punished you for that. 
because I didn't like the color of the chairs. And all I was thinking was like, new chairs, you know, here I come. This was before Costco, where you couldn't take things back and by just taking them back and be like, oh, I feel like this is a manufacturer thing. While your kid's in the showroom stabbing the couch with a steak knife. Like, how do you even get that in here? Because I brought my own. I'm a boy. You need uh, great, the grace of God raising kids. You need it uh, in different ways, raising boys and raising girls. Um, but what I want to say, and here's, then she went outside and saw the, the, all the window screens that um, the chairs were as game day, but I practiced on all the window screens the day before that. She didn't notice that. Um, so listen, if she can successfully raise this child, uh, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to say. And y'all, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Why don't, why aren't more of you asking her about parenting advice? Um, <laughs> honestly, like you don't have the little Mia there. I doubt that you do. And so Proverbs chapter three, my child, when the Lord God speaks to you, never take his words lightly and never be upset when he corrects you. That is worth coming. If you're a parent or you're going to help never be upset when he corrects you. We were not allowed to be upset when we were corrected. I see adults, they, they allow themselves to be upset when they are corrected now. Uh, I wasn't allowed to, so as an adult, when I'm corrected, I don't allow myself to be upset because a, a correction is the best thing that can happen to you, unless you enjoy getting hit by trains and things like that. A word of correction is the, the wise people love correction, and, and we, I was not allowed. Is this good so far? I was not allowed to be, have my feelings hurt when I was being corrected, because if I was being corrected, it's because I hurt somebody. And... Um, that's for free. For the father's discipline comes only from his passionate love and pleasure. For you, discipline comes from passionate love and pleasure. Even when it seems like his correction is harsh, it's still better than any father on earth gives to his child. See, there's a difference, parent, there's a difference in, in raising a childish child and a childlike child. And what God, you're responsible, and here's what I would say, uh, you're responsible to, to get the childishness out of that child so that they don't become childish adults that I have to pastor, so that they are childlike uh, adults. Childlike adults are people who are like, oh, God said it, we should do that. Oh, God wants to work a miracle? Okay, I'll pray for that. Uh, David was childlike, and it killed the Goliath, uh, right? Saul, the guy he took over from, was childish, and it killed him. And so um, as I talk today about very practical stuff, now it's going to feel threatening to you because you're like, don't tell me how to raise my kids. Listen, you have to understand they're not your kids. They're God's kids. And we only have them for a short time, so let's have the fear of the Lord and try to get it right. If you care about your kids more than you care about your image, this is going to be the best sermon you ever heard. And uh, you're going to love it. All right. Now, listen, every time that you try to correct a child, I was talking to a small group leader. I'm like, hey, you need to talk to somebody in, in that small group and you need to bring a little correction in their life about this issue. But I said, but warning, every time you bring correction to them, God will be bringing correction to you about something at the same time. And if you don't get this right, I think that they have a harder time getting that right. So here, parents, I'm just giving you the path. If you want to correct your children, why don't you allow the sermon and the word of God to correct you so that your children can be corrected, right? So that's how it works. That's what leadership is. Every time I correct, I am being corrective actively, sometimes about the same thing I'm correcting about, which is weird, but... I was, you guys, this whole sermon is going to blow your minds. I'm telling you, just laugh like you're a good parent. Like, ha ha ha. This is, I totally know all this. You do. Yeah. All right. Um, 
big parenting ideas. Let's just get to it. That are contrary to society. You ready? Don't teach children to think first. Teach them to honor and obey. It will go well and they will live long if we get this right. Do not teach them to think first. Um, the scripture says Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. The scriptures, children, obey your parents because you belong to them. Oh, yeah, you weren't paying attention. It was a trick. You don't, but no, children, this is why you teach your children to obey. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. No, obey dad, obey mom because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother right back to the Ten Commandments. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, how many people know that God has never broken a promise? If you do this, this will happen every single time, right? Watch. If you, the most powerful and scary words, parents, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. You will have a long life on the earth. If you don't teach them to honor and obey you, parent, it will not go well with your children. Why? Because if they learn how to honor you, they stand a far greater chance. Now, every child makes a choice, but they stand a far greater chance. If we get the skills we need to teach them to honor and obey us, they stand a far greater chance that when that is transferred to the Lord, that they will get that right. The people that I see struggling the most in the world right now are people whose parents did not teach them to honor and obey. They're constantly pulling against God. They're constantly coming into conflict with God rather than being blessed by and just like coming on board and letting the river take it where God wants them to go. Now, the first crucial lessons in a child's life, if they learn to obey and they learn to honor, it will keep them alive long enough so that God can redeem their thinking. Now, here's the deal. If you yell, get off the road and your child is like. And starts evaluating the size of car, like that's a smart car. I feel like I'd be okay. <laughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice. I do not want my child thinking when it's time to get off the road. And so we'll keep them alive long enough so that when they think it actually matters and they actually make sense. But see, if you teach a child and this is society now, like teach a child to like make huge life decisions when they're six, they're wearing pants today. It's a good day. Let's let them decide what. It's the same thing as like, what, did you let your four-year-old boy drive the car to church? Because he would feel fulfilled. <laughs> if you let me drive, I'd walk in, I'd be like, yeah, this is right. Yeah, I just, just got the minivan there, just park it. This is my place. This is my... Why don't we do that? Because it's dangerous. They would die happy, but they'd be the only ones. Everybody else would die screaming. So it's this idea of like, teach them to obey and honor first. Then, then their thinking will belong to God. Now, my dad was really, really great because every time you back up authority, you back up your own authority and you back up God's authority. My dad was great. I couldn't come home. If I would come home and complain about a teacher, my dad would be like, oh, let's call them on the phone right now. And let's hear what they, their side of the story. Now he was there to protect me, but most of the time you're just complaining. And then I'd be like, oh, oh, you know, like pick up the phone and like start dialing. Be like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm not remembering it right. <laughs> Maybe I'm, no, you know what? Let's just, let's just hit pause. 
you know, I'm good. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm okay. Let's not, uh, let's not, let's not, you know, I respect their time. Um, <laughs> big parenting idea number two, stop saying you love your child if you don't discipline them properly. Because the Bible, the word of God says, if you spare them discipline, you hate them. And so we have to understand like, okay, uh, I do love them. I'm going to do whatever it takes to learn how to discipline them in the ways of God. Um, so we just have to stop saying our, our stuff. That's good motivation. Like if I love them, I will do something about this behavior. I, if I love them enough, I will, we will find a way to deal with this. Now, let me talk a little bit about discipline and the difference between discipline and punishment, because I think some of you grew up in homes where it was punishment. Now, now let me see discipline and correction are for the child's benefit to turn them and to keep them moving in the right direction so they reach their destiny. Discipline and correction are beautiful things. Punishment is reserved for those who are past discipline and correction. So the jails are full of people who are being punished. They are not allowed any freedom because they cannot be trusted with freedom because they will take away somebody else's, right? So, and here's what, somebody came to me after the first service and she works in prison ministry. You know what she said? The prisons are full of inmates who hate their parents for never disciplining them and love the prison authorities because they love them enough to say, stop it. You can't act like that. They said they'll commit petty crimes to go back because it's the structure that they, they're like, at least I know where I stand. At least I know, at least I can earn, at least I can. Isn't that a fascinating thing? So, but see, if you grew up with abuse and punishment and it was just like, cause the only alternative to good discipline is mind games. And so, right? It's mind games. And so, so if you grew up in an abusive thing where it was like punishment and dad was just crazy and mom was just like, one day she'd be fine with this and the next day she wouldn't. And if you grow up with that discipline and correction, you'll have to overcome that parent because discipline and correction and punishment both involve pain and it'll feel like this when it's not, when it's actually corrective, when it's actually disciplined, when it's actually for the child's benefit. So you need some inner healing, go get prayed for but you need to step up your discipline game because you're afraid like, well, I don't want it to feel like the way that it will not good discipline, good discipline. I never loved my parents more than when they disciplined me. I remember how I feel when my dad would come in and take control and be like, okay, that's enough. I never loved him more than I can still remember how I feel. And your kids will feel the same way. If we get the discipline part, right? That's a promise. All right. Now, um, Knowing how to, number three, knowing how to discipline children is a skill nobody is born with. You become who you apprentice under. So it's like, I'm a master electrician. I was not birthed with a tool belt. Like, wah, while I'm working on your light fixture. You know what I mean? That's not good parenting. It is a skill. You know, love is a skill too. You can work on love. Look, follow your heart. Man, your heart's messed up. Follow your heart. Your heart thought that every stupid thing you ever did was a good thing. Like, oh, I felt like it was the right thing to do. Was it? Listen, nuclear technicians are not born nuclear technicians. And so we have this thing in society where it's like, hey, you're going to be a great parent just naturally. No, you will if you train under the right people. Look, you'll be good at some things naturally, but like parenting is a skill. Like I had great parents and I apprenticed under my parents mostly because they made me. But like, even when I had kids, I'm like, oh, so much of this is ad-libbed. Like, oh my goodness, like, you never have enough sleep. 
There ain't never enough money. There's never enough time. Your kid's never that. You know what I mean? Like, all right, here's how we do it. There's, there's, look, everyone has opinions about how to raise your kids for you. People who have no kids, loads of opinions. They've never had a kid in a grocery store be like, stop, you're hurting me. When you're like, you said no for, to candy. Like, I ain't even touching you yet. That's why my mom, my mom was like, I'm not even touching you yet, but I can. That's what you want. Listen, people will have all sorts of advice for you, but you need God's people in your life who have successfully raised children to give you the advice. Don't apprentice under anybody. You can apprentice under people who have no kids and have great ideas for you. You can also apprentice under people who don't have good kids, but don't know it yet. Cause you don't know when your kid's seven, you know, everybody knows when they're 17. So like the early years, I'm like, I remember how many of my theories were like, and eh, nope. And every kid is different. You got to figure out every kid. And I'm like, what worked for that kid did the opposite in that kid. You need the fear of the Lord. These are God's kids. He is allowing you to raise. And you feel like it's the fear of the Lord. And it's a, it's hard. Like I get it. All right. Um, now I learned um, good discipline from my parents. So what I'm going to show you is they raised, raised us in a godly fashion. They themselves weren't raised with the best, but they allowed themselves to be apprenticed under great parents and under God and God, your heavenly father, everything in the word of God works. And so they just allowed themselves to be apprenticed differently. And they passed on this apprenticeship to me. So, but pastor Aaron, she was not necessarily apprenticed in the right way about discipline. Now she would tell you like, I was disciplined when I was a kid. I'm like, you were not disciplined a day in your life. Now, granted you were a pretty good kid. Somebody like me, man, if you have a little Corey, like I demand discipline. I demand it. You will not be able, I will make your life a living hell if you won't discipline me. Like I will, you had to, you had to deal with me. I, Pastor Aaron's this is like nice, sweet. Like, oh, everything's, you know. <laughs> I didn't practice that. I should practice. Everybody likes me. My name is Aaron. And she does, you know, she's everybody's favorite. She's my favorite. I mean, heck, you know, but the only time she was ever disciplined was when she freed, um, a worm from a bottle of tequila from her dad's tequila stock. That was the only time she ever remembers being disciplined was like setting the worm free all over the kitchen, you know, like, Oh, it's trapped. Let's set the worm free. And so here's the deal though. Here's the deal. She didn't grow up with, she grew up more on the side of like the mind games and the like, you know, the tough stuff. And, and granted, you know, I mean, if you don't know, you don't know, but you know, the only alternative to good discipline is like the other thing and the manipulation and the moods and all the, and so, um, and so when, when we were raising kids, she had to like learn a whole new set of skills that I kind of knew cause I had apprenticed and I received a lot of apprenticeship pain. And, um, and so, cause one time I remember she, I get home from work and she's like, these kids, man, I've been disciplining. They're always your kids, man. They're always your kids when they're bad. Right? Well, fair enough. <laughs> She'd be like your kids. Like I've been disciplining your kids all day. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, ask her what that means. And I'm like, could you show me what that means? Like what does disciplining kids all day? And she showed me and I'm like, oh baby. I'm like, I don't even think that they know that they're being disciplined right now. Like that doesn't, for me as a child, I'll be like, I like this. Like, this is great. You know? And so can I just get practical? the best parents in the room are asking great parents how they raise their kids, you know? And, uh, and so she had to learn a whole new set of like, Hey, it's so much easier. Cause all the drama goes away when you actually learn how to like discipline because good discipline and godly discipline deals with the issue. It doesn't deal with the drama. It just takes all the drama out. And so let me show you how to do it. Um, 
Oh, I keep saying that, but I, it comes a little later. I don't want to miss it there. Okay, number four, discipline is about the child, not the parent. It is not about you, mom. It's not your power trip, dad. It is not because you're the boss of the home. No, good discipline is always about the child. So, so here's the most empowering words and discipline for your children to hear. Here are your choices, Elish. Here are your choices. Here are your very clearly defined. First, I go get help as a parent. I go get help and say, like, I'm struggling with this and my daughter. How, what have you done? What has worked for you? What do you feel like God would? Okay, I go and get help. I get specific direction. I come and I sit her down and I say, here are your specific choices. One path leads to butterflies and ice cream and the will of the Lord and heaven. The other path is going to be painful. Because if I don't teach you this path here, you'll find it out there where nobody loves you. If, if this dad who loves you and cares about you is unwilling to make your life uncomfortable here, then you're going to marry somebody who's going to make your life very uncomfortable and you're not going to know any better. So that when they ask you to do the thing, you're not. So you have two choices. Let deal with it here or let them deal with it out there where nobody loves them. And so empowering. When my parents told me, here are your choices. And so when discipline would come or the punishment would come, they'd be like, oh, I guess you didn't want to play with that thing for the next month because you decided, you decided, not me, it had nothing to do with me. I'm just the gatekeeper here, you know, you decided how empowering is that for a child? No, you decided this. You wanted that. So when you decide that you don't want that, here are the blessings. It's a great way to raise kids, you know. Um, now listen, listen, don't tweak if you're married. Don't tweak disciplining your kids in front of your kids. You're just handing them all your authority and being like, we don't, obviously don't know what we're doing because we're fighting about it right now. You know, here's what I would say. Arguing with each other, if you're married, arguing with each other in front of your kids is showing your kids that, hey, nothing is nailed down here. You can argue with me about it. Go and close doors. Call somebody on the phone. Call your small group leader and be like, what should we do? Because listen, a, a, a decent plan executed in unity consistently is way better than a perfect plan that never happens because nobody's perfect. Like there's no parenting situation that's perfect. So you're better to like consistently exercise a godly discipline plan that's in unity. I could not turn my parents against each other. Now, I wish that we was, were as successful as they were in that. But my mom and dad, you could, I could not turn them against each other. And if anybody in the world was born to do that, I have my, I love my mom, but she, my mom loves a good story and I love telling them. And I had her just about talked into something one day. She was just right there. And I knew if I could get her to say that dad could veto it, but you know, generally speaking, they would kind of be like, no, your mom said that. Oh, we're going to. Okay. So I just had her there just right there. And she's like, well, why don't you, that sounds pretty good. Why don't you ask your dad? And I'm like, no. <laughs> she goes, why not? It sounded pretty good. I'm like, mom, like, I love you. But like, that was a thing that I was just, you know. <laughs> now I'm kind of the one, like, I love a good story. My kids would be like, that's how I need drinking coffee now. Cause why she's been drinking coffee since she was four. Cause she'd be like, dad, can I have coffee? I'd be like, no, baby, you're too young for God. Dad coffee. She's so cute. And she'd finally be after 57 times. She'd be like, just a little. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's just a little. Every morning I make a needless cup of coffee. <laughs> My dad, one time I walked into the room and I said, 
I had this sales pitch all practiced. I'm like, hey, dad. He looks up, says, nope. Looks back down. I just went, you know, walked out of the room. You couldn't turn them against each other. Um, and I respect him for that to this day. Listen, number five, always deal with attitudes. I see kids now with terrible attitudes and I'm like, look, uh, a broken window is one thing. A broken window, if you have boys, is going to happen. Don't lose your mind unless they broke it in defiance. Defiance is an attitude. Defiance will put them at odds with God and that is not what you want. Listen, teach them that nobody controls their attitudes except for them. Nobody. Oh, my circumstance. Listen, if you want to raise childish kids who have terrible attitudes, then they're going to hand this rock to everybody that's in their life, including their boss and their spouse and their kids, their own kids, and say like, hey, make me happy. It's about circumstances. When circumstance is only 10% of your happiness. Statistically, what's happening around you is only 10%. And I think in a mature Christ follower, you can be happy in the middle of jail, actually. Joseph sits in jail, in a jail that he didn't deserve and had a great attitude. Why? Because his attitude was nobody's business but his. And nobody can make him. The devil can't make you have a bad attitude. That's your decision. So always deal with bad attitudes in kids. You want to hear about the bad attitudes my parents would deal with? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Dishonor. Oh, if you want to roll your eyes at your mother, A, you'll, she'll roll them across the floor for you. She wouldn't. I just thought that'd be funny to say. Dad would be like, boy, pack a bag and go live with somebody else. Because around here, we talk to moms. Like, this is their stuff. Dishonor every single time. Uh, dishonor. Um, sulking. You know what my dad would do? He'd come over. He, he, you probably wouldn't ever picture him doing this. He'd come over and just playfully grab my lip when I was sticking out. And he'd be like, hey, birds poop on that. <laughs> then they're kind of like... <clears throat> You know, then it's, then it's hard to be mad and sulky. You know what? Here's the deal. We allow our kids to walk around in bad moods all the time because what, of perceived hurts or hurts even. My parents would be like, smile. I don't feel like smiling. That's because you won't smile. You think that you feel a certain way and then, or maybe this tells that what to feel sometimes, you know? They're like, hey, you're not smiling because you're not trying. It's a very different thing. What do you mean? How empowering is that to a child when everybody around them is sulking because of the world is a horrible place and they're just like, I want my children to walk into a room and change it and not let the room change them. I want them to walk in and be like, hey man, if God said it, let's do it. Uh, here's one, self-pity. Oh, I'll tell you, look, and, I, and my, my home was growing up, it was great, but I was like a sick kid and we, I was never allowed to feel sorry for myself, ever, ever. I was allowed to be hurt, but I was not allowed to feel sorry for myself. King Saul. King Saul says to a group of the elite bodyguards in his army. How come nobody feels sorry for me? <laughs> a grown man with a sword says to his bodyguards, how come nobody feels sorry for me? You know why he said that? Because his dad told him it was okay or showed him it was or his mom didn't get on that and be like boy you're a we weren't allowed to feel sorry for ourselves you know what people who have self-pity do they use their hurt to hurt other people 
And you can't, it can't be in the life of a Christ follower. Feel sorry. Listen, God can heal anything. God can do anything. So, like, I get that. I get that people hurt you. I've been hurt too. But you know what? Kept. You know what keeps sister? Because I don't allow myself to feel sorry for myself because my mom wouldn't let me. Let's get up. Come on, man. You want to be a, you want to raise ch- children who are soldiers for Christ or you want to raise big babies who are always hurt by everything? Oh, that's good. Preach it, pastor. You're right. Oh, this... All right. Um, anger. Oh, I was an angry kid, man. Everyone wants equality of discipline until Corey throws a bat at his brother. I wasn't trying to hit him because I could. I was just trying to scare him a little. Anger. You know the stu- the stuff that you say when you're angry because it's fun. Like I hate you. Why are you my mom? Try saying that an hour later, when Dad's sitting there too. No, oh, go ahead and tell your mom what you said. Cold hard math, man. Oh, go ahead and uh, say that thing that you thought that I would believe because I'm an idiot. That lie that you told about where you were. Go ahead and say it now. I'll tell you, one of those conversations when your baby is three will save a whole lot of conversations that I have to have with your 30-year-old baby. And I don't want to have those. <laughs> Say it when they're, sit them down. I had some, somebody, um, some friends of ours came over from the church and they're like, hey, our, our kid's got a problem with lying. And I'm like, tell your mom that, because that, uh, every time you lie, you're breaking relationship. Tell your mom that you want to make the rules and um, you don't want to have a relationship where she's your mom. Guess who hasn't lied? What, do you want your kid to tell the truth or not? It was powerful that they oh, you would do that. I'm like, it was the best thing. And they were so humble to be able to, I'm like, I just felt at the time, I'm like, no, this is what lying does, tell them. I lied to my dad like one time and that was it. I remember the disappointment, like why would you ever? Well, now we're raising generations of lies. Is this good? Is this helping you? Like sit them down on cold hard math and be like, now tell your sister what you said. Oh yeah, a couple of those times. And <laughs> it's like, man, behavior corrected. All right, is that helping you? Okay, here's what I wanna say, cause you wanna correct that in your kids. Uh, your anger, number six, your anger parent can have nothing to do with your discipline. Let's train our children to watch out for their moods, not for your mood. I heard somebody say, I heard a grandma say to her grandkids, like careful, grandma's getting angry. And I got so angry about that. I'm like, what are you telling them? Watch my mood. This is not about what you're doing. This is about how I feel. It's not about how you feel. And some of us, look, look, and we've all been angry at kids. Like, I get it. Go and get prayed for. Repent. Be like, I can't be angry when I discipline my kids. So here's what I want to say. Can I just give you some really good, solid parenting advice that I learned from my dad? My, in my dad's thinking, he's like, why would I say something 47 times in a home to a child who's doing something wrong? Like, hey, don't do that. Hey, put the thing down. Put the thing down. Put the thing down. Put the thing down. How many times do you want to say it? Because every time that you say it, it escalates. It starts escalating. Draw the lines in their behavior in a place that you can live with it and that they can live with it. It's exhausting for your child to constantly be defying you all the time about the thing. So you know what my dad would do? Here's good parenting. One warning, two warnings, do something. I knew I had like, I maybe had like, because the second one was like, the first one was like, stop it. The second one was like, eyebrows. Sometimes I wasn't even verbal. Eyebrows. Like, are we still doing this? Have you not rethought your life's? Third time, he'd be like, here I am. You wanted to see me? Well, no, not now, you know? 
But listen, put the, the boundaries in a place that makes it easy for the child so that their boss doesn't have to tell them 47 times and fire them. You'd be like, hey, you can't do the books like that. Do it like this. You know what I mean? Like, put them in places that provide peace for your home and stability. Is that good? Your, 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 your anger can't have anything to do with that. Number seven, the last one. Come on up, worship team. Number seven, get used to expending enormous amounts of energy. That's what great parents do. It's exhausting. Raising good kids, it's exhausting. You know, first you have the nurturing stages. That's exhausting because you don't sleep. Then you have the discipline stages, which is like, well, for me, it was like from zero <laughs> to like present. <laughs> like when your kids are young, you're in discipline stages. And man, every day, moms, you just like, you're disciplining, disciplining, like, stop it. You can't, no, don't t- punch your sister. You know, like, just don't stop, stop, stop. And you're like, you're in the discipline stages. And then see, we're in the, like, our kids are like 13 and up. Now our, we're in the coaching stages. This is different. Now you found out how your theories work. And we're in the coaching stages where it's like, hey, I would probably do this. Hey, I would. I'm still here for you. I'm still going to like pick you up when you fall down, but I'm going to let you fall. I'm not going to bail you out. I'm going to let you fix the window. I'm going to let you do the thing. If you make a bad purchase, I'm going to let, I'm still here to catch you. It's okay, but you're still going to have to. Great parents have the same amount of time that you do. And here's what I would say. Stop complaining about how little sleep you get. I know. Listen, can I just be honest? Millions and millions of parents are raising kids in far worse situations than you face. It's all about perspective. They would kill to be in your house because they don't have one. They would, they would love your situation. What's stopping us sometimes? Here's what I would say, expend more energy, pour it out. I know you're busy. We're, we're busy. You, you got to be willing to pour it out when your kid needs you to be there. You got to be willing to pour out enormous energy. Here's what I would say. You have a teenager whose life is going off the rails right now. When was the last time you spent an hour on your knees in your room playing worship music and weeping? One hour. You're spending it doing, you spent 10 hours doing something else. One hour on your knees invoking the presence of Jesus in your home and rebuking the devil and then finding out who they're hanging out with and looking at their phone and Wait, what is the destiny of a child worth to you? Is it worth everything? Is a life saved worth everything? You're talking about kids in our own homes and kids in homes that you could be helping with right now because parents need help. They need your anointing in their life too. They need your input in their life too. Father, forgive us for not representing you as parents the way that we should have. Our greatest regrets in life are around that, Father. I think it's greater than marriage regrets, honestly. I, the greatest regrets in my life are when... We didn't do the best for our kids that we could have. And Father, we pray that you would forgive us. But now, Father, I pray that there would be like this when sons and daughters rise up and take our place again. And we're like, okay, yesterday is gone. And today is a new day. And we're going to stand up and we're going to believe and we're going to do the best we can moving forward. And when we fail, Father, you're going to pick us up. We're going to ask for forgiveness and repent and get better. But Father, I pray that as sons and daughters, you would restore that confidence in us that we can, Lord God, that we can. In the name of Jesus.